Hello, this is Hear Her Sports, the podcast about phenomenal female athletes, and I'm Elizabeth Emery. I'm so happy to be here today with this week's motivating guest, Felicia Legette Jack, University of Buffalo's women's basketball coach. I contacted Coach Jack because in May of this year, Hannah Hall, one of her players, released a video about her struggle with anorexia. What really struck me was that it was Felicia who stepped in and took action with strength and love when she saw that Hannah was struggling. In the episode, Coach Jack talks quite a bit about her coaching philosophy and why there was never a question of her helping this young athlete despite some fear. As much as she focuses on process and taking care of her athletes, Coach Jack is very competitive and wins a lot. In seven seasons at Buffalo, she has 143 wins, the second most in program history, two MAC championships, four postseason appearances, three NCAA tournament wins, the first draft pick in school history with Sierra Dillard, and this year she led the Bulls to the second round of the NCAA tournament for the second straight year. This is the second of three in the mini-series with coaches. I'd want Coach Jack as a coach. The idea of a strong woman in my corner for life is incredibly appealing. One reason I'm talking to female coaches is because it's such an important, influential position, and there just aren't enough of them out there. For women's college teams in all sports, only 40.8% of the head coaching jobs are held by women. Each woman in this coaching series is quite different with different involvement in her sport, so subscribe to Hear Her Sports wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up for the newsletter at hearhersports.com to get inside info on what's to come. Well, let's get to it and meet Coach Jack. Hello, nice to meet you. You too. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this. The pleasure's mine. Yeah. It's really an honor to have you here. It's been fun to watch your team play in the MAC tournament these last two years here in Cleveland at the Q. Well, thank you. Thank you. We have some young ladies who really like to get on that big stage and tell their story through their dance of basketball. Yeah. So what does this next season look like for you, for the team? Uh, every day. We take it one day at a time. You know, we, it has to evolve and we don't have a clue until they come and they show and they dream and they become. That's what's so great about the sport that I coach is that every year is exciting. It is, it's, uh, it's all about a wonder and it's all about a dream and and those young ladies uh, coming together to, to ignite, to, to become whatever they're supposed to become. I love your coaching method, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But is your roster set? Yeah, yeah, I think it's as set as it can be. We have no more room for anyone else unless they walk on. So we have 15 players, and we have four new kids. Uh, so we, we're really excited about uh, the possibilities. And I just saw that you signed a couple of European players. How does that come about? Well, you know, you know, uh, Christian Sharkey did a tremendous job of um, of understanding that, you know, when the season ended and people got excited about what I was going to do and possibility of me leaving and some kids that we were really on, they decided to back away. And uh, Coach Sharkey kept working and kept keeping the relationships alive. And uh, these young ladies, one of them in particular, we've been recruiting for a very long time and it just went dormant. And, and Coach Sharkey kind of, you know, made sure those liars stayed, you know, excited and exciting. And uh, those young people decided to continue to, you know, be recruited by us. And uh, we got someone, might be one of our best classes yet. And, you know, in the, in the darkest hour, sometimes the light is right next door. So uh, they, we brought them up, Coach Sharkey and I, um, you know, brought had them by ourselves. A couple of coaches were on vacation, and I had another coach who was taking another job. And 
You know, by his grace, we got him to say yes. I don't know. I don't know whether it's Coach Sharky's deodorant or my perfume, <laughs> but it, it was really fun to see that um, uh, that kind of challenge said yes that late in the game. Sure, yeah. What are the strong ports of the program? I mean, like, what, what's drawing players there? I mean, particularly, I think Buffalo, I don't know. I've lived over there. It's not the easiest draw to get people there. Well, it's easy to get here. It's, it's a very close airport. You right. know, it's only 15 minutes away from our, our university, and it's a it's really nicely centrally located. It's an hour from Toronto, and it's, you know, it's all schools. They have their um, idiosyncrasies of what's good and bad. You know, I went to Syracuse University, and it's I think it snowed in June. You know, and I, <laughs> I'm from there. I can talk about it because my home city. You know, I coached over at Indiana, and it's not easy to get from the airport to. to the university it's a 45 minute drive and uh there's a lot of wrong and bad in every university but what you're looking for you know uh at other schools they're looking for certain things and i think at buffalo what they're looking for is the ability to go to a high academic school but i think that's one draw for us is the fact that you know we're here Uh, i'm a a coach that believes that your story matters and and every time we get on that big stage of, of that basketball court. It's not about winning a basketball game. It's about your story and you having the ability to be creative enough to share what people need to know about you. And I've been consistent with that with my staff and young people from all over the world are saying that, you know, that that's something I want somebody to help me uh, navigate is how to tell my story, how to become who I'm supposed to be, help my dreams become manifest. And not only that, make my dreams be just something minor to what I actually become. That's a great transition because you've spoken a lot very passionately about how much coaching means to you and how your role fits into a much bigger picture of your mission, but also, you know, what happens once your players leave the school. Can you talk a little bit about that? And what do you see as your job as the coach? Uh, You know, it's a relationship. It's really not, you know, a job. It's, you know, I know they're not my children, but they're going to be in my life uh, forever. And one thing that we talk about is that if you're going to come play for me, you're going to have to trust me and I have to lead you. And uh, when you graduate is when I actually start working for you. And I think that, you know, the kids brains don't develop to 25 and they're not supposed to get it. They're not supposed to really know everything. And I got to allow them to make mistakes in every day. And I do. And as they, and I share with them, uh, even at 52, I still make, make mistakes. And, you know, when, when it's all over and done and you're out there and, and there's a real big world with the big monsters and people that really don't love you as I do, that's is when, that's when, you know, I become more valuable to you. But right now, you know, we're going to bump heads through college. We're going to not like what we're talking about all the time. At the end, we're going to listen to each other, but it's going to be my way. And you have to trust I have your best interest in mind. And then, you know, when you graduate is when I start to really honor why you uh, uh, you decided to come play for me. And that's been um, manifested a little bit, not as much as that needed as I, um, you know, love actually, because uh, sometimes the kids go away and they, they are strong enough to do their own thing. But just in case they don't, I'm always here. And, and I told them I'll be a, their coach for life. That's That's really nice. You talk a lot about how important sort of the life lessons are. Where does basketball fit in? And why have you chosen to coach basketball than, you know, rather than say, I know that you had thought about being a life coach? You know, everyone has their passion and basketball has been my passion. I, I, I've played it ever since I was um, in, in the fifth grade. And I, I just really uh, thought that it helped me become the woman that I am. 
and the, and the, and the shyness I, I had was insurmountable. I, I didn't look people in their eyes until the 10th grade. And, and it just really helped me uh, have my confidence, have my ability to, to, to become, you know, a full person. And so this is the carrot I chose to use to help others, you know, have that light get turned on, that they matter and uh, you're worthy of, and you can make bumps and bruises and, and fall and, and say um and, and, and say words that doesn't make sense in a sentence, but you can fix it. You can fix it through the game of basketball. And uh, this is the, the platform he gave me because it was taken away at one point. And I thought that this that was the, 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 the way I had to go was through Life Coach, calling people to see if they need me for mentorship, you know, uh, mental toughness, talk about my defense, whatever. But he gave me a second chance to come to Buffalo to still have the carrot of the basketball to help young people, you know, find their way. Right. And how does winning fit into that? Well, if you're going to play the game, you're going to keep score. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the most competitive person you ever want to meet. If you and I walk up the stairs together and you think that and you start taking two steps, I'm going to start taking three. <laughs> I'm going to beat you up the stairs. I'm going to beat you in a game of jacks. I'm going to play hard in a game of spades. It's just how I'm wired that if they're going to keep the score, the object is to win the game. And if you're going to win the game and they're going to put a mic in front of you, that's when you tell the story that you want them to know about you. And that's the objective, in my opinion, of winning the game or winning uh, that opportunity. Not necessarily to say, yeah, yeah, I'm better than you, but to use that platform to, to let people know who you really are. I always think it's really interesting sort of trying to learn how to balance winning and, you know, competition versus sort of the process that we've been talking about, about, you know, learning to get better, training, that kind of stuff. Well, well, to me, and I said this even through my defeats and even through my firing, I, I really believe winning is easy. It's the process that is the most difficult. It's like, when do you give up on your dream? When do you give up on your uh, of the strategy that you have that's supposed to help you get to your dream? How do you manifest that? How do you get people to really believe in it to the point where it, like, it, it ignites into a synergy? That That's the tough part. That's what keeps you up at night. That's what helps you um, uh, be up at four in the morning, writing notes down to yourself saying, I got to try this. I got to think about that. That's what makes kids kick the kick the trash can over. That's what makes people say, I don't want to do this anymore. The, the process, you know, why you keep saying this, why you keep making me go through this thing. And then it starts evolving itself uh, to the reason why. And I think that even through that process, you can win and still not understand. And and then through the losses, that's a very difficult time. It's the process becomes really more, really challenging. And that's when you got to pull your team together and talk about everything other than what you're doing. And, and you got to bring life into this thing. You mentioned confidence you know, that you learned confidence not until the 10th grade. How are you teaching kids confidence? And I, I've talked about this with other guests that, you know, sometimes the word confidence sounds to me like it's an on-off switch, like, oh, I'm going to become confident tomorrow. And it really doesn't work that way. No, it's, it's not. Always. I'm still, uh, and no one's really 100% confident. I don't think, you know, anybody, the CEO, the COOs of corporations are confident all the time. But that's what it's all about is being able to to walk in your fear. You know, fear over courage is a very good uh, thing that I like to communicate about. 
everyone has the fear. I hate speaking. I hate doing things like this because what if I say, um, what if I stutter? What if my, my, my enunciation isn't as clear for people to understand? And what about me being judged? That's a real cool thing for young people. <laughs> You're right. going to be judged <laughs> and I don't want to be judged, you know? Uh, but it's being able to walk into that uncomfortable uh, feeling, that, that, that fear, and still know that if he takes you away today, what will be left out there for them to know about you? And that's when you have to use that courage and say, you know what, even if I mess up and maybe I'm not 100 percent confident today, I still have to be I have to go out there and try because it's not about you. It's about the person you're pulling behind you that's looking at you and hope that you get it, whether you're a freshman that's trying to get it and another freshman that that is shyer than you or more scared of you where you're the head coach and assistant coaches are looking at you and saying, you know, I really don't know what, what we're doing, but you look like you know what you're doing. Let's just follow you. So everybody has that, that, that fear. Everybody has that uncomfortable point in their life every day, but you got to let that sit in your, in your belly, inside your spirit and know that you still got to take those steps towards where you need to be or where you're trying to go in hopes that, he gives you enough courage just for that day to get that point told. You know, in prepping for this, I read a lot about um, a lot about you and, and your career. And so often you talk about being let go in your previous job at Indiana. And your wording for that is so interesting to me because you very openly call yourself a failure, which I think is just completely fascinating. Most people aren't willing to take that on. Well, I'm not a failure. I call my. I say that I failed. You failed. I, I, yes, I, I've absolutely failed. Um, you can always you can you can go from fail to fear to to quitting. I I just chose to from failed to flourish, and I and then through that per, that process in the middle, I decided to stand in it. A lot of people, you know, hover in the corner and and, and hope nobody see their eyes because their eyes are towards the wall. I I just decided to stand there naked to say this is what failure looks like, but this is what you can become if you keep trying through the shaking knees, through the to the limps, to the to the embarrassment, to the the mirror saying that you're not good enough sometimes, and you just keep taking those steps and saying that if you give me enough energy tomorrow, Lord, I'm going to take another step towards something different and to sort something what you have in, in front of me. And I don't have all the answers, but I certainly know that quitting it wasn't an objective for me, knowing that I had a family to help support. And so we had to figure it out. We had to figure it out by waking up every morning and trying to take a different step, another step, and hopefully flourishing would manifest itself. And then you get to a point where uh, through your entire career of all that you've done, you have your most success after failing. And uh, I just know that that's, that, that that's a God wink. I'm reading a book called When God Winks at You right now. And it's a, it's a lot of situations where people feel like this is, this can't be, this is not my life. This is so wrong or not what I expected. And then all of a sudden it, he takes you down this road and it's, it's everything that you've thought it would be and more. Where did you, where did you learn to accept failing in that way? Well, I had a, a mom that, that just never knew how to quit. You know, dad left when we were eight and we had uh, four siblings, uh, including myself, makes five and a mother who retired making thirty thirty six thousand um, dollars in her career, the most she's ever made. 
but never never walked a day without a smile on her face, never took a, a week where she didn't tithe in the church, never never closed her door to somebody that was hungry, even though we, we were sharing a sandwich ourselves. And to see her just be a pillar, I, I call her Mother Teresa, uh, and, and, and that, that's not trying to build a, a person up more than they're supposed to be. She really is a person that uh, really transcends just beauty in human beings. As a lady that, you know, grew up in the South where she had to cross burden in front of her house because she just was black. And her family decided to do, they could have done two things, been angry with all people that looked like the person who did it or pray for the gentleman or person, people that did it for they could not know the Lord. And so in that household, you know, you got five different people looking at a lady evolve. And we all are, took different things out of being raised by failure again. This is a piece I decided to take from her, that they give even though they take, to give even though people hurt you, to give even though they they set you up purposely to, for you to fail. You give anyway, because at the end of the day, it's not your relationship with the people, it's your relationship with God. I would expect that you are a big role model for all your players. Do you like that role? I don't, I don't call that a role for me. It, it's just what I'm supposed to do for young people. Young people have so many things working against them. You know, they got parents who tries to be their friends. They got parents that, you know, try to set their lives up so perfectly where they both work and nobody's home with the kid. So the kid, all they have is a phone and a friend. And and sometimes that information that they get from either one of those things aren't the best information. I just try to stay steady. I try to just treat them every day as if they were new to me. And it'd be, it'd be as consistent as I can with, with what I stand for. And, I, you know, people, the kids call me old school where I have certain things that I, I, I'm not going to allow them to do in my presence, even if you're, you know, a seer dealer or the last person on the team, there's a, a perception that we're going to have. You're going to look people in the eye. You're going to walk with one headphone in your ear. You're going to, what you come with is what you leave with. I'm not in judgment of tattoos, but I think that you need to pump your brakes in those four years you're playing for me. Let's not add anything else to your body until you graduate. And these are silly little things that I believe in, but I stay consistent with and I think that that's where the, the, the respect come. And that's where sometimes, you know, kids look at me as as a role model, but that's not what I set out to do is be their role model. I just try to be a consistent factor in their life that's not going to waver because they're good or bad or they're um, smart or not smart or black or white or rich or poor. One of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you was the Hannah Hall video. And I was mm -hmm. so struck by how you stepped in in such a really strong, loving, caring way that you saw that she was having difficulty and stepped in, I think is, is really amazing and terrific. Well, that's when fear and courage collided in, in my world. And here's a young lady that, that, that needed me to be as courageous as I could be. But fear was all over my spirit. Fear was all over my mind. Fear was all over my words. And I, I certainly know I didn't do this thing to help her by herself. And we certainly know that this is an evolving thing that could be with her for the rest of her life. But through that time and that moment, I, I just asked fear to step aside and let me hug this young kid 
and help her understand this is not a fault. This is a situation. And by the grace of God that we're going to fight this thing together. We didn't know where we were going to go with this. We didn't know. I mean, here she is, the head of our body, which is our point guard. And here is uh, another situation where I got a young, another best player that's out with um, academic issues. And I got to pull a team together where nobody really believes in because, you know, we, we've lost so much that year before with Sweet 16. And we got a lot of things, teams here doing so well. And, and the energy clearly wasn't 100% with women's basketball. So we kind of went it alone for a while. And then Dr. Edwards stepped in. Amanda Edwards, who I think is one of the best people, if you're going through something, get her on your team. And then, you know, then everybody else started realizing what we're, we're faced with. But Hannah Hall is, is one of these young people that raised her hand and said, I have an issue and I want to stand in my truth. I want to stand naked in front of everyone to share with the world. So this team, only this team, probably going through this thing. And at, during the year, this is what I'm going through. And I need you guys to support me, help me, but make certain that I don't, you know, take a backside. And we, we went through this thing together. And because of her strength and because of, you know, all the people that stepped in, I was able to continue to keep fear out of the equation and, and walk with courage. And then until the end, when she showed me the video, that I'm like, wow, I, 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 I'm just amazed by what her and, you know, um, Sarah, our, our communication person, and, and Alex, our video guy, just those three decided to put together to make that become a visual of what this young lady went through. And I am, I'm just floored by the outpour of people who needed to see that. Uh, I mean, so many people call me and just, just start crying on the phone. And three to four minutes later, they start using their words and sharing how we've helped, how we've gave hope. And, and it's nothing to do with me. And it's kind of nothing to do with Hannah. It was, we were the, the shells that God used to not just help her, but to help so many others. Yeah, I mean, the strength of the video is really incredible. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So much. We are, we are doing it. Did you ever have a moment of doubt where you thought maybe that you wouldn't step in? Oh, no, 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 no. It was never a doubt. Uh, we, I won't step in. You know, I, I might have taken steps that most coaches wouldn't take because of the fear of losing their, their, their jobs. You know, right away, I made a phone call to her mother, not to her father. I made a phone call to her mother on purpose because I needed her to hear from a woman to another woman of a young woman that's in pain. And we, we got on that phone together and we just didn't say a word other than cried. And I sat outside in front of Alumni Arena just, just sobbing. And she just, so we cried for about 15 minutes and then she, we just asked each other, I don't know who asked the question, where do we go from here? I said, let her stay as long as we need her to stay. And then we got to a point where I asked her to take her home. And then we didn't know where else to go with that. And we didn't know if we were in a position where we had to put her in a place where uh, 24 hours of, uh, of, of supervision. And we didn't have to get to that point, but that mother and me just, we worked a lot of things out and there is the father involved. He's a very good man. And there is my husband, you know, from a distance and a lot of, but it, I just really believe at this point it was about womanhood and us bringing a child into her adulthood very quickly. 
and it and it worked. And it worked not because we did it; it's because he allowed it to happen and to manifest. And I'm, I, I don't know whether it was the right thing to do. To, you know, I didn't call my administration. I didn't call at first. You know, senior. I called this young lady's mother, and it seemed to be the right thing to do at the right time. All the decisions I make is um, is with 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 my spirit, what I call my God, and I think that you know it it, it just. We took all the right steps only because it was somebody walking before us. Well, from the outside, it's very impressive and it's very touching that, you know, you did take that step. So from the outside, well, I really you. appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I think she does and I do. And again, it was fear and courage colliding. It wasn't coming together. And we had to make and that's the story of everybody's life. They have fear. They have courage. Everyone has courage and fear. And sometimes it's kind of walk side by side and sometimes it collides and you have to make a decision. And uh, that was the only time that we just said, I, I got to be wrong or right, but I have to believe that this is the right thing to do. Right. How do you get the best from your players? Do you have ideas in mind for them or goals for them? Everybody has to go their own way. A lot of teams come together. There's a lot of great coaches out there that put a team together and a system together, and you're going to come fit her, your system. And I just never have that. You know, coaches come and go. I have a coach that just left uh, this year. I had a coach that left four years ago. And it, it's just about the kids, you know, the kids deciding what they're going to become. And, and I build a team from the kids that I have, and everyone – is value, but everyone is replaceable, you know, including myself. And we, we talk about that every day. If we don't have a tomorrow, what will we leave today? And I find out where these kids are through their today and hope that a tomorrow will come and, and build individually those kids and hopefully collectively when the time comes, they'll, they'll create synergy. What's the hardest thing or the most stressful thing about what you're doing? When you know a kid doesn't get it and you have to cut them loose, that's the hardest thing that I have to undertake. It's there, there, there. This is a basketball team that 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 people equip you with enough stuff and they expect an outcome. And there's times when some people just don't belong. You don't quit on them. I had a kid that I coached at um, Indiana who really just didn't seem to get it and. You know, I just was on Facebook the other day and I saw how how she's struggling in her life. And I just try to friend her and I don't get anything out of it. I don't see how uh, she would ever want to friend me back. She hasn't done it yet, but I just felt my spirit that this kid might need me to, to step into her life again. And, and, and you meet them where they are, but can this kid have come to Buffalo and help us play here? No, she doesn't belong on a team, but she doesn't belong out of your heart either. So I try to meet our players where they are, but there's times when you just got to cut a woman loose. And uh, we were prepared to do that. And I'm not now in a position after 31 years this coming season where if it costs me my opportunity to do what I love, I have to save the kid through making tough decisions. And that sometimes is a tough decision is is remove sometimes your best player from the team. Wow, that is hard. Yeah, that, that that's tough, but I'm willing to do that. Now a lot of coaches are willing to change the numbers and salaries, you know, but they didn't change the mirror. They didn't change the mirror. And I just think that it's important that we have to look in the mirror every day and be true to who we are so that we can 
really do what we're supposed to do in this business is to help people, young people, become true to who they really are. And where do you find joy? In reading, my family, my son, you know, they, I had the perfect weekend. I, it was just, my husband was out playing volleyball in Ohio and, and my son came home for the first time in two years with, for some quality time. And we just sat and watched movies. And I always joke about, you know, I'm Beyonce to my players and how much, how well I sing. I can't sing a lick, but it's just a joke. <laughs> so he, he Netflix her show from, I don't know what's called in California, Coachella. And, um, we we just I, we watched it and laughed and you know, like doing silly dances. He's like, don't ever do this in public. And went for a bike ride with him, walked with him, you know, things like that. You know, family is so important, and I I really help a lot of families, but I don't really have a lot of time for my own family. And so uh, that's what I do. I you know I try to call my siblings a lot, my my mom, and you know and and and, and do a lot of reading. I have some really great friends who were together in D.C., and I couldn't be there because you can't be everywhere, but they FaceTime me in as if I was there. And so, you know, everybody that knows that they're connected with me and that I love them, and I love them for real, and it's fun, and we get silly, and and we still got those friendships, and that family is for life. You talked about connecting with Hannah Hall's mother, and you've also done that Players' Tribune video with the five black coaches of basketball coaches. Yeah. It seems like you have a real connection with women. Am I imagining that? I don't know if I have a real connection with women. I just know I believe in women and I, I believe in the power of women. I believe in their story. I believe in their desire to be great. And I believe in their, 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 their struggle of being all that they, they, they want to be, being a mom, wife, leader, uh, sports writer, cyclist, you know, and, and it becomes so hard at times. And I believe that if I continue to tell them that they matter, that they will emerge into not just what they think, but even better. And so I don't have a, a lot of people in my space. I have a certain group of people that really, you know, and I love men too, you know, since I've been here, I got the men's basketball players that come in and call me auntie, mama Jack, and uh, they were, I'm relatable to them as well. But if I have to go out there and get a microphone in my hand and stand on a platform, I think it's important that we power up women because we've been powered down so much. And yet we're the most of the population and we're the reasons why CEOs are born or presidents are born or leaders are born. They have to come through someone and God chose us. And I want them, the people, women to know that that's a really cool thing. And don't ever bow down to anything based on the fact that you're a woman. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned in that Players Tribune video, which is really good, is that you were talking about getting hired and you said someone saw me and believed in me enough. And I think that's so important. Yeah. Building one another up. Yeah. I, um, I, Hanuka Brown is the young lady that, that saw me in the airport with my team and saw that it wasn't going well when I was at my last school. And she said, she was going to keep an eye on that. We weren't really friends. It was just another woman looking out for another woman. We played against each other in pro-am tournaments, uh, but it's a high and by relationship. And they had a search firm for Buffalo and, and they didn't see the right people that they wanted. And she reached out to me and, 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 get, and told Danny White that I might be a person that, that he needed to interview. 
And he allowed me that opportunity to come in, even though I was six and 21 in my last year at my last school. And he gave me an opportunity to stand before him with my truth. And it was Anuka Brown that, that saw saw this woman. And I, I think that in order to, to thank her continuously is that I continue to do the same thing. You know, it, it's just, I think this is the right thing to do. I don't know. It's just what I decided to do. Yeah. Would you hire, I know that you just hired an assistant coach and she's a, another woman. Are you like Muffet that you'll only hire women? I am Muffet proud. I, I think Muffet, Muffet is, uh, she, 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 she's been doing this a lot longer than me and she's been fighting for the cause for a lot longer than I have. And I, I, I love her pride. I love her story and I love what she's become. I love what she left when she was at Lehigh and came to, to, to the state of Indiana at Notre Dame and fell for years and years and years and became. But I, I, I do think that uh, there's a place f- for men in, in our in our game and there's a place for women in the men's game. And I think there's a place for all of us. And I, I and I have a male on my staff. I think he's pretty good. I have women on my staff. I, I just think that is important that I pick the best person for me. I saw a young lady that I coach at uh, Michigan State who failed and and everyone knew she was failing but nobody would throw her a rope and I think Candace Jackson is is, is a incredible it's so funny that I said her name and she's calling me on my cell phone right now <laughs> but uh hey look that's that's a god wink in my opinion I'll say uh, and I said that um you know what she she interviewed and I was talking her through some of these interviews that she was going on a, a university called her in the morning and, and made a flight for her to come uh, to their institution, and that afternoon, they called her back and said, "We're not going to bring you in," with no explanation. It was another woman. That's not why I hired her. I hired her because she knows my defense and she knows my system. She knows my quirkiness and my toughness, and she's able to play off of that. But it's also one of the reasons is because she failed and she needs a chance to become again. And I, I, I think he gave me the, the energy and the situation where I need to be the one to help her. One of the things that I like to talk about in this podcast is breaking through barriers. How have you been able to break through barriers and find a voice and do what you've done? I'm breaking through barriers. <laughs> I, am, I, haven't, I haven't broke through anything yet. You know, I'm still, a, you know, I, uh, you know, we, we went to the 316 in the state of uh, uh, New York. I mean, we're the only SUNY school to ever done that. And we've never been celebrated. The government gave us a tweet. You know, if a, if a men's team went to a Sweet 16 in the state of New York, I, I know uh, a couple of them went from Syracuse. That was celebrated. That wasn't really celebrated here. Uh, we went with a team that lost five players to the, to the 32. We've got contracts extensions. We've done those things. But publicly, it's not celebrated. So we're breaking through barriers. We're, we're not happy with the fact that my 16 kids did some really tremendous things and it was done in the dark, and it never came to a strong light. You know, I, the, 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 the track record I have, I, I think that if I had, if some other person had this track record, you know, I would have, um, you know, people breaking the door down. There's nobody breaking the door down for this crazy lady who I think stand for, for some good things. Uh, so I just, I just know that there's, I got to continue to, to walk through this and go down and continue to break through some barriers for the next person that come in line that go to a Sweet 16 or go to the Final Four 
and, and really be celebrated in, in my, what I call the state of New York is the mecca of the world. And, uh, and it's not very uh, obvious that it's the mecca of the world when, when we've done it, some good things. Uh, we've made history here. You know, we have the only person in the uh, uh, University of Buffalo that got drafted in WNBA, men or women. I know, that was great. It might be somebody coming after. I think CJ got a great chance, but we're the first. And when it's first, first should be celebrated, you know. My brother went off to college for the first time. You would think that he became the president of the, uh, of, of, of the, the world. The way we celebrate <laughs> that guy. Oh, well, Eugene went to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. you know, I, I guess it's a little bit different, you know. And I got to figure out, is it okay or should I continue to fight? So the barriers are there and I'm still breaking through and I haven't become yet because it haven't manifested itself up in the light that I see. What would success look like? Or what would a broken barrier look like? Equality. Equality. You know, broken barriers mean if I did the work and he did the work, we should get paid the same. If I did the work and he did the work, we celebrate the same kind of way. Um, is that, you know, what the world's going to see? I don't know. I, I, how I see it is, it just kiss, just, just kind of makes sense to me, you know, what makes it different, you know, I, I, I don't know. And maybe I, I have this, um, you know, wool over my eye vision of what reality is. I just believe that he put it on my spirit to say it. I, I got to tell my truth and I got to stand in it. You know, what, what makes marketing really work harder for a men's team and not a women's team? I, I don't see the difference. You know, I don't I don't know what makes a president see differently for a man than a woman. I, I don't know how to feel that way because maybe because I am a woman. I don't know. But what I what I see is that success is when a man and a woman walk the same straight line and they get the same result. They get the same reward. And I won't stop until that day comes. Well, this is a great time to ask you about the growth of women's basketball. And one of the reasons that I really want to ask you about, well, a couple of reasons, but one of them is that at the MAC tournament, I'm always struck by sort of the second-class citizenship of the women's games. You know, <laughs> they're during the day, not at night. The concession stands aren't open. And it's just really frustrating because the basketball is excellent. I think it is. It's where I use my platform to grow young women to become mothers and wives and leaders and I think it's the best in the world. I think it's nothing better than we got to get other people to help us believe that. I think that we've taken steps towards that. We we're so not there. There's um, a lady that I speak to on occasion not as often as I want. Her name is Maureen Sweeney. She's the vice president of Delaware North. And she's, you know, she's knocking walls down and, and, and I tell her to keep going, keep going, because as I see you go and do what you're doing and fight in the man's world, if you will, you give me the courage to keep coming and keep fighting, too, and not settling. And I may not get there as fast or far as her, but as long as she's in the race, I see a visual of what it can become. Do your players have any interest in playing the WNBA or is it too far, too big a goal? Well, we had Sierra with the two different spots already and wasn't asked to stay. So we're going to do whatever we can to get her to, to where she can continue to play and tell her story. Because I tell you, um, I can see uh, Sierra Dilla being an ambassador uh, of sport 
and, and coming through me, how she can be compassionate to women and, and help them evolve in so many ways. Um, but she she hasn't gotten the opportunity to stay yet. She got to go away and overseas and do her work and hopefully go back and become. But, you know, basketball is basketball. The only problem with the WNBA, in my opinion, is it's just 144 spots. Right. It's 12 teams, 12 players, and there's not enough spots. And there's so many great, you know, women's basketball players that there's not enough space for everybody. So if we can continue to expand it on this thing or – or, or, or G League, you know, you know they got a G League for guys. Let's have a, a W League for women. I don't know how you can put it, but um, or they got to continue to go overseas and 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 make their their talents seen there. But if we can get some more spots, it'll be great. But right now, there's 144 spots, and you can't even be mad about a kid not making it. Or I tell our kids all the time, let's go over. I got three kids on one team in Australia. Oh, wow. Cool. The money's yeah. different, but it's, they're still playing. Joanna Smith, uh, Stephanie Reed, and Courtney Wilkins, they're, they're all hanging out and playing the game they love and making a couple of bucks in the meantime. And they're loving it. They're, they're celebrating, you know, their gift. So maybe that's where they're supposed to be. Wherever they are, wherever my kids are, that's the story I'm talking about. That's the, the dream I'm dreaming and if it's not the WNBA, it's wherever they are. Right. And you have Pan Am Games coming up pretty soon. Yeah, I'm blessed to be. Carol Callen gave me an opportunity to be a part of USA Basketball again. I was uh, involved in 2003 and 2005, and we won some gold medals uh, with 18 and under and 19 and under. And our hope is that, you know, Susie Merchant, who's our head coach, and uh, Vic Schaefer, who's the other assistant coach, our, our, our objective is to go out there and, and let the world know that United States is the best in the world. And through our gift of coaching and, and playing, our hope is to bring back a gold medal from Lima, Peru. Yeah. And and is it weird going into sort of a short-term situation like that where you don't necessarily know the players and all the personalities and stuff? We know their gifts. <laughs> <laughs> and through their gift, we'll find out who they are as people. And uh, I think it's beautiful. I, I think that you know, we, we, we are we're we're charged with on a short period of time is getting these young people to love playing for the United States of America in hopes that they will be the Olympians that other coaches or maybe one of us could um, spend more time with them in in a quest to, to, to win gold medals in the Olympics. We've talked about lifting up uh, women, and we haven't talked about specifically lifting up black women. How do those two relate for you? And, and you know, how do you do both? You do both. Yeah. You just do both. It's, you know, you, you fight for, for what you fight for. And then I think it's all the same. You know, women, African-American women, every woman deserves an opportunity to, to, to succeed or fail. And when you give her that opportunity, make sure that you treat her as a person that's next to her, I mean, meaning her counterpart, her male figure that's doing the same thing. I, I, I don't fight for just African-American women. I fight for all women. I think that we all have a special gift and we all have magic that we want to create at institutions, at jobs and at, at, at things that they do. If given an opportunity to, to, to be great, they will become great and they will work their tails off. To, to, to let you know that you didn't just hire somebody. Uh, you hired the best 
for the job. And we won't stop until the best is what you see and the best is what you notice. To finish up um, with some basketball, what are you doing right now with your team? And what is the team doing? I assume it's summertime and you're not together. Right now, I'm actually going to Indianapolis today to speak for the NCAA to youth in, in Indiana. I'm very blessed that they asked me to come and, and do that. If I can share these crazy words to save a, a kid or help a kid or evolve a kid, it, it's my obligation. So since it's a downtime and our players are home doing their thing and my son is connected with, and doing a good job and don't need me as much and I'm at 20 years old, I, I got something to give. I'm supposed to give it. So I'm doing that right now. We're going to do some speaking engagements with um, our university um, the athletic department. And, you know, it's called the caravan. And we'll do a few things like that with Lance, our football coach, and Jim, our men's basketball coach, and our AD, Mark. And we'll, we'll do a f- three or four of those things in June. And then I uh, go off to July with recruiting. End of July, we go to Colorado Springs and and then we go to Lima, Peru in uh, August, and uh, prayerfully that my husband will find a, a spot where we can just kind of have some vacay time before the season starts. Right, right. And how much do you get involved in summer training or off-season training for your players? Uh, they'll come up uh, the end of June, and uh, the, the, I'll be with them for a couple weeks, three weeks, and we get after it, you know, as stringent as we can. Three of our freshmen out of the four won't be here because our two German kids are going to be playing overseas, representing their country, and our kid from England is going to be uh, representing her country. So those three won't be here, uh, but we will have um, uh, 11, 12 uh, players here. So we'll we'll, we'll get after it, hopefully, and uh, they'll, they'll think I'm the coolest person ever because they love the way I yell at them and Hug them right after. <laughs> That's I'm, my story. I'll stick to it. <laughs> and I'm assuming they're not lazing around in May, though. Well, they can, but that's why I got trash cans all around the court because I, I, I go one way. They know what they to expect, and we, we won't come slow or soft because they chose to take some days off. So I'm working out myself, trying to get myself in shape, and I expect them to follow the, the, the plan of Coach A that she gave them for the summer, our strength and conditioning coach. And um, she she put together a great um, summer workout. My my prayer is that they follow it. If they don't, that'll be the choices they make. Life is about choices. <laughs> and they'll hear about it. <laughs> they won't hear about it. They'll feel it. Right. <laughs> and how much do you get involved in off the court stuff at school once the season does get going or the year does get going? I'm tunnel vision. I I don't do a lot of things off the court when it comes to my team because I'm I really don't know how to navigate four to six different things. So I try to put my, my time and investing in, into our team and our players and what they find to be important. So we do some community service stuff based on what they want to do and what we we can do with that. But, you know, to get involved with the, all that other stuff, I we have some great people here at our university that, that can hold it down while our season's in, in going on. Right. Well, I really appreciate you being here. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Do you is there anything that I missed and you wanted to talk about? You no, know, I, I just really appreciative uh, hear her sports, and I just think that it's so important that we we lift women. You know, not to say that a, a woman that doesn't do the work or isn't good enough should get an opportunity, but if she is doing the work and she is making things happen, you know, treat her 
equally to the person that's next to her. And if we can have a world of that, I think that we'll have a better world. And I think that we can, we bring something to the table, women, and that's different. And it's not the same. And it's okay. And our, 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 our treating us equal doesn't mean that we got to, you know, make us pound our chest and do it the way, because men do it their way, we do it our way. But, but the person in charge can look at us as someone that's doing something equal for their university. That's all we're looking for is that, that moment called equality. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate all you do. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And, uh, and today I feel like I'm not in a race alone. I got another person that's pushing me in the back or grabbing my hand and, and helping us go together. So keep doing what you're doing. What you're doing matters. And I really appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. All right. God bless. Such a joy. Yeah, you too. too. Bye-bye. Wow. I'm really moved by Felicia's kind words and, well, motivating words of support for the podcast. And for me, as I continue to talk to all these incredible female athletes, Coach Jack's players are definitely lucky to be working with her and to have her in their corner for life. Again, thank you to her for taking the time to be here. It was an honor. Thank you to Sarah from the University of Buffalo for arranging everything. I love talking sports with friends, so keep that talk going on your end. Tell two friends about the podcast, and she'll tell two friends, and so on and so on. Visit hearhersports.com show notes to find links from this episode, including the Hannah Hall video. Our music is by the band Goldmines, the logo by Agnes Studio. I will be back in two weeks with the third coaching episode. See you then. Bye-bye. should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 